Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond fireside chats. Hello and welcome to Leave Our World a Better Place. My name is Kasia and today I'll be finding out more about the Pinda Community Conservation and Research Skills Development Course. Developed and launched as a collaboration between and beyond and its community development partner Africa Foundation, the course provides an intensive six months of learning for young members of the community surrounding and beyond Pinda. The first course began in October 2020 and ran until March 2021. We'll be hearing more about the reasons for the development of the course from Pinda Reserve Manager Simon Naylor. Hello, Simon. Can you tell us how the training course started? Where did the idea for it come from? We saw an opportunity to provide skills and development for potential young school leavers to learn more about conservation and the hard skills around managing a park like this and research and monitoring. And so we developed a six-month internship program, which we give opportunities to five community students from all five of the communities that surround Pinda. And hopefully it'll be an annual program. The students are obviously learning aspects of conservation and monitoring work from our Pinda conservation team, you know. And mm -hmm. so there's a wealth of knowledge and experience. And I think the main thing is guidance and sort of playing a mentorship role. Anything yeah. that they conduct themselves and they do, there's always someone mentoring and guiding them through the process. And that's very, very important. You know, they mustn't just be doing something for the sake of it. They must know and understand why. And that's where the mentoring and guiding comes in. So whether it's pangolins or mm -hmm. rhinos or elephants or vegetation surveys, there's a wealth of knowledge uh, that exists here. And everyone is, is taking a part in passing that on right through from myself to the staff that drive tractors. Mm -hmm. Community involvement is always key and a priority for us on many, many different levels. And skills development is something that's severely lacking in our communities. There's, there's no universities, there's no colleges. We do have bursary programs, but we touch on a very small percentage of our communities. You yes. know, there's a lot of unemployment here. There's very little opportunity. And often the case is because, you know, they just don't have the experience. You know, they don't have the opportunity to go to college or university. So, so this is kind of hopefully filling that gap. What would you describe as the ultimate goal of the training program? The ultimate goal is to, at the end of six months, is that these youngsters will find employment either here at Pinda or in the tourism side of things as trackers or rangers. Or, you know, they can take the experience that they've gained here and the knowledge and maybe find work in some of the other reserves around here. What were you looking for in the ideal candidate? We're looking for someone that, that's enthusiastic, has a passion for wildlife, that wants to perhaps pursue it as a career, mm. you know, willingness to learn, listen, to get involved, to take in as much as possible. What does the course cover? Is it more practical or more theoretical? There's obviously a theoretical component. They'll get to learn and, and read and study. But a lot of it is practical. You know, I, I believe, you know, if someone doesn't physically do something, they don't take in or learn as much as, as they would. And so the idea is to physically get them to do as much as possible. So it's, there's a whole range and scope of work that they are learning and gaining experience on. How do you notch and dart a rhino? What is the reasons for it? What purpose does it serve? Mm -hmm. And then how to conduct it? You know, what equipment do you need? What are the sequence of events? What information do you need to gather from the rhino? How do you do it? Yeah. How do you dehorn a rhino? They've been busy with uh, vegetation surveys 
And, and I think the idea is also not just for them to physically do stuff, is, is the, really the reason behind it, you know, and where does it feed into and the decision-making that stems from that, yeah. that, that monitoring and information. Anything that they conduct themselves and they do, there's always someone mentoring and guiding them through the process from our Pinda conservation team. And that's, that's very, very important. You know, they mustn't just be doing something for the sake of it. They must know and understand why. And that's where the mentoring and guiding comes in. Whether it's pangolins or rhinos or elephants or vegetation surveys, there's a wealth of knowledge uh, that exists here. And everyone is, is taking a part in passing that on. In terms of some of the more practical work that the students do, we'd also like to hear a little bit more about the status of the conservation initiatives at Pinda. Can you tell us a little bit about the need for rhino dehornings? And what else is it that you do while you actually have the rhino tranquilized? What kinds of measurements and trackings do you do while you have that kind of access to the animal? You know, the dehorning, unfortunately, is something that we have to keep doing. It's not something that we want to do. Hopefully, when the pressure comes off or the illegal trade and hunting declines, we can stop dehorning. It's just something that we don't enjoy doing. But this morning, we've managed to find three rhinos, a cow and a calf and a, another one. We could only do two at a time. We, we thought we did the, the cow and its calf, and there was one that stuck around. We had to shoot it off. And then we removed the horns. We trimmed the horns off and woke them up. It's definitely deterrent. I mean, it's proven here and in other places that dehorning works. It doesn't stop poachers from, from shooting rhinos. We've got to keep keep the horns trim. And, and those particular two will probably have to do in about 18 months uh, or two years' time. And so with a large population, we're constantly dehorning. It's something we're doing almost every other week. So far, so good. Touch wood. It's worked for us. It's kept poachers at bay, even though it's an expensive operation. The stress on the animals is, is minimal, and we'd rather have that than see rhinos dead. So by taking the horns off, it definitely is a deterrent, and it reduces the risk on those particular animals and the population. Something that we'll do every time, whenever we dehorn, we identify which rhino it is. We will collect a lot of information on the horn size, the measurement. We'll check the microchips. We'll also take a whole bunch of samples for, for DNA. We'll, we'll keep some ourselves on site, and then we have to, to collect a whole lot for the University of Pretoria. They've got a genetics mm -hmm. lab where they store DNA samples of all rhinos that are translocated or immobilized in South Africa. And it's quite important, something that, that's used quite frequently in poaching cases. It could be used or submitted as evidence in court. And on many occasions, it's been used to prosecute poachers for illegal hunting and poaching cases, you know. So it's quite important to collect those samples and, and bag them correctly. And we send them away to Pretoria. So we collect horn shavings, we collect hair, we collect blood and we collect skin. You know, we from time to time will also do studies on paternity and maternity and, and genetics, just to see the genetic health of the population. We've done that twice in the last 30 years. So we know that we have a healthy white rhino population just from the uh, genetic makeup and, and that we, we get from collecting DNA. Um, so we'll use it for that purpose as well. But primarily it's for forensics and just to have a genetic DNA database in one place, which mm -hmm. is the University of Pretoria. Mm -hmm. You also have two elephant bulls on Pinda that have been translocated from Tembe Elephant Reserve in a neighboring Mozambique to diversify the gene pool at Pinda. Can you tell us a little bit about those two bulls? Yeah, 
Yeah, so the two Tembi elephant bulls, they, they split up, they separated. They were never together at Tembi, so we didn't expect them to, we thought they might associate because they knew each other from there. But So they, they're in opposite ends of the reserve and they've mm-hmm. settled very well. They've obviously found food and, and water that's to their liking. Mm-hmm. And they um, have started to integrate with, with the current existing population. We haven't seen too much interaction. We know they have met up with the females and there's been some association with other bulls. The greatest risk for us was them breaking out and trying to get back to Tembi which is not mm-hmm. far from here. They've obviously tested the fences or they've walked along the fences in a few areas and they've decided not to leave. Yeah, we'll keep monitoring them. They've both still got their collars off. We'll probably monitor them in, into the new year mm-hmm. and then we'll plan to take those collars off once we've, we're happy that they've really settled and, and not a risk to, to leave the park. And, and we'll even use the data as well. Uh, we'll use that data for, for a PhD study here. But so far, so good. They've, they, they're really doing well. We obviously brought them right at the end of winter and the older bull had lost condition, which is not unusual. It is possibly a sign that at Tembi there are too many elephants and not enough water holes. I think they were moving great distances there every day. Mm-hmm. Soon after they arrived, uh, we had the spring rains and, you know, the bush flushed. And, and, and so he's picked up weight. He's really in good condition now. And the other bull, is he was in good condition anyway. He had uh, a slight wound on his rear end and that's healing nicely. And that potentially is actually from another elephant at Tembi. So they, they're both doing exceptionally well. And uh, we'll still monitor them closely. We check on them once a week. Yeah, it's, it's been a success. Mm. Getting back to the actual course itself, why this course and why Pinda? What makes Pinda special is its position, where it's located. We are located in an incredibly diverse area. Our proximity to the ocean makes it quite unique as well. There's a lot of old history here geologically, and as a result, it makes a lot of different soils, different vegetation. So Pinda is a very diverse place. The amount of rarities and special birds, plants, insects is quite unique within Southern Africa. I think it's probably only second to the, in terms of numbers of species to the, to the Cape Floristic Kingdom. And then it's history. You know, it has a long history of been obviously very pristine, you know, in the early 1800s, late 1700s, to then being completely, you know, obliterated. The wildlife was decimated by traders, hunters. Mm-hmm. You know, we then had the pioneers that arrived and uh, tamed the wilderness, shot out all the game, destroyed all the habitat, planted sarsal, cotton, brought in beef farming hunting etc like that Mm -hmm. so that is quite recent you know 30 years ago communities here were expropriated from this land and now they own it obviously the story of Pinda is is the return of the wildlife ecologically it's very very special it has an incredible story returning of of the wilderness Mm -hmm. from what it was and that alone was quite unique it was groundbreaking work back in the day the model of returning wildlife benefiting communities bringing in tourism that model was unthought of, unheard of back in the day. And now you look around, it's kind of a common place. Everyone has a private game reserve with a lodge. I mean, that never existed, and that started here. So I think those three or four, four factors make Pinda incredibly special. And, and also, as a business, the model must be able to fund itself. You know, we mustn't be reliant on donors or government, etc. And so it's a privately funded operation, and uh, that's quite unique. It makes it sustainable. And a success story, yeah. yeah. What is the next step for the development of the course? I think it's to plan for the next one. We'd need to do some fundraising 
and then start the process again, you know, the recruitment and the, the selection and, and the interviews. It's quite a, quite a lengthy process. So um, that's the goal. And if we have to refine the course, I think uh, long-term we'd like to get it accredited. And um, yeah, that's the plan. Mm -hmm. Next up, we'll be speaking to a young student who was one of the community members chosen for the course, Spongseni Cleopas Sitole. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where do you come from and what was it like growing up next to a reserve? I live at Mtogu. I live with my mother, my two sisters and my one brother. My dad passed away in 2017. So it's five of us and with the, with the kids. I have one daughter and, and two sons. We, I was not born here, but I grew up at another place called Otaganeni. It's another section uh, around Hlusluwe. So then we came here to Mtugu about five years ago. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm happy being around animals, even big ones, small ones. When I was young, I used to, to go and hunt birds. We'll, we'll shoot them like for food. We eat them. But I was still young. I didn't know the, the, the conservation part. Yes. You understand? So that's why we were catching them, killing them, eating them. But now I can see that it was not a, a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? Yeah. So it, I think even those people who are doing that, they, they messed up. Yeah. Wow. Along Pinda Game Reserve, it's quite interesting. We see elephants, we see monkeys, baboons, even, even inyalas. Seeing those, those animals, I wanted to know more about mm -hmm. them. Has conservation gone into your heart? Is it something that you love? I love conservation a lot, a lot. Do you think that living next to a reserve like Pinda is what made you want to get involved in conservation in the first place? Uh, seeing those, those animals, I wanted to know more about them. The course was advertised online and then we applied. There was a process, we, we, were, we were selected and then there was interviews and five of us were the stars. <laughs> yes. It's me from Dugu. Two from Mobogazi, one from Kwajobe, and one from Gwangwenya. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit about what the connection between the reserves and the communities that live around it is like? There is a strong connection. If there were less people hired from the community, I think there would be a problem there. Because if my neighboring communities were not hired there, some people would, would go there, do poaching. But mm -hmm. now, as, as they know, they know it's their land. You understand? So they can't go and just, you can't go destroy your own thing. You understand? So that helped a lot. What are the kinds of things that you learned on the course? Phew. In, in the training, we're doing a lot. I can imagine. It covers everything. We can become a rangers or a field guide, and then we become the researchers, such as tracking of animals, where I want to find it in another section. We use telemetry to, to search for, for that animal. There is a a beep sound that tells you the direction where the animal is. Then we go there. We're dealing with the cheetahs. We monitor them. There's one that we're dealing with, a female one. It was bought from, from another reserve. So we've been, we've been monitoring her. Mm -hmm. Were there any animals that you worked with that were a particular highlight? So we have done pangolins. They are very interesting, very interesting. They wake up at night. We are communicating with the, with the WhatsApp group. So they will send a message then guys we are getting out at eight o'clock then we'll go there like there's the, the new one that mm. just came 
we, we went there to, to, to wait. Before I went there, I didn't know about pangolins. I think they, they have to be conserved because they have been poached a lot. They, they use it for, for muti. My family, we don't believe in traditional medicine, so we, we are Christians. What did you think about pangolins before you went on this course? Before I went there, I didn't know about pangolins. But now I know, and I think they, they are the, the animals to be reserved a lot because mm-hmm. they have been, they've been poached a lot, as, as the history says. So I think they, they have to be conserved. Which part of the course did you enjoy the most? I like the, the research part. We take photos and then people will be like, Wow, you don't, you're not scared of that. <laughs> you see, so we, we drive along there, the elephants. They are big men with big tusks. These can pass here. I used to be scared, but now I'm, I'm no longer, I'm no longer scared. I'm gaining experience. I like photos. I like taking videos too. So I, I'll take my phone and then, shh. <laughs> you see. What does it make you feel like when you see animals as big as the tembe elephants that we were talking about with Simon earlier? Before, I used to be scared, but now I'm I'm no longer I'm no longer scared. These can pass here. I I I like photos. I like taking videos. I'm no longer scared. So I'm happy being around animals, even big ones, small ones. Yeah, I like the the research part because you deal with an animal. You touch the lion, you touch the, te- the cheetah, you take photos and then people will be like, wow, you don't, you're not scared of that. <laughs> you see? So even we, we, we walk, we drive along the, the elephants, people are afraid, are scared of, uh, of elephants. So I'm no, I'm no longer scared because I'm... I'm I'm gaining experience there. Fantastic. Having grown up in the community surrounding Pinda, has your idea of wildlife conservation and the reserve changed since doing this course? A lot of people inside the reserve, many people there are are from the the community and and even the the, Mm. the land that is used by the conservation is from these communities. So they, they are renting them. They know it's their land. You can't go destroy your own thing. Uh, my message to the community, just preserve, preserve whatever is there because everything belongs to us. It belongs to, to, to the world, belongs to us. Nature was meant for us yes. to, to preserve it, to keep it. It's, not, it's, it's beautiful. Let, let's, let's save it, let's keep it. Wow. And education is the key. Yeah. If you're not educated you will be nothing. What do you hope to be able to do with your newfound skills and knowledge going forward? I told you, you never asked. <laughs> From now, five years to come, I, I, I see myself working in the, in the conservancy. I would love to be in the research part or being a guide. It's been a short period of time, but I've gained a lot. This, this is just a start. Uh, I've even applied for doing the, the, the environmental management, the course, for, for four years. So I'll be upgrading myself, <laughs> I'm telling you. There's some other interests that you've been developing. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yes, yes. Okay, I have interest in computers. Uh, I've been doing videography. I play piano. A church for weddings for parties. I 
I'm busy. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that my, that's my background. I grew up in a Christian family, play piano from since I was young. I once did, it was just a short course, it's a new venture creation. When I was there, I thought of, okay, I'm, I'm playing piano, I know how to take pictures, I know how to, 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 to take videos. So I said, okay, let me start something just to earn something from, from what I, I know. And then I bring something to the table and my family through that. I would love to share my skills. In, during my spare time, there's something coming up. I'm doing something. I'm doing a book, just as a small thing, capturing pictures. While, while, while we, 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 we learn, we, we study at the bush uh, in, in the class, I take pictures I, and then I come back and, okay, and I choose from which one is the best. Okay. And then I'm collecting them. Since the date of this interview, Sibo has successfully completed the training and is now employed as a member of the Reserve's Habitat team, an ecological monitor. Three of his fellow students have been employed by Africa Foundation to work on the ECO program, which provides lessons in conservation and environmental awareness to school children in the communities surrounding the reserve. For, in the process of gaining Level 1 accreditation with the Field Guides Association of Southern Africa, and with the help of the PINDA team, they've passed their written exams, with only the practical exams remaining. Fundraising for the next two intakes of the PINDA Community Conservation and Research Skills Development course is in the process of being finalized. The advertising, selection and interview process for the next course is, is expected to begin within the next two months. Thank you for listening to Leave Our World a Better Place. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you'd like to find out more about and beyond, please log on to our website at andbeyond.com.